on today's episode of Before You Kill Yourself, we have Gabriella Alziati, who is a poet. She wrote a book uh, entitled Healing, and it's a, it's a book that, that will help you find self-love, self-acceptance, and self-compassion. On this episode, we talk about how to find your purpose, how to, how to pull back the layers to, to reveal your purpose and the questions. We even have questions that you can ask to find out what your purpose is. We even discuss why financial freedom is a hoax and what really what people really want when they talk about having financial freedom. Uh, we also she also does a, a tarot card reading for Leo Flowers. That's right. You get to find out what's in the cards for Leo Flowers. So you definitely want to listen to that. And then we go into some empathy exercises. Everybody talks about how you should have more empathy. We actually talk about what that looks like tangibly. What, what are the words? What are the phrases? How to get into it? Um, and then we get into, what else? Feeling depleted. Some of us are, are feeling overwhelmed, depleted. We're doing too much. And we talk about how to, how to create boundaries uh, around that so that we're not depleted but we are energized, we're renewed, we are invigorated. And then most importantly, we talk about how to feel empowered, right? In this time of great anxiety, there's so many feelings of, of uncertainty and powerlessness, but we talk about, and, and it's, just, it's a simple, the very simple thing, like what you need to do for 10 minutes to feel empowered and connected. So this is a great episode, and if you haven't yet, go to thrivewithleo.com, thrivewithleo.com, and let's get to tomorrow together. Hi. How, how are, are you? you? I'm good, thank you. Yes, ready ready to talk on this rainy Thursday oh. out here in D.C. <laughs> oh, I, now, are you getting the rain and thunderstorm or just the rain? So far, it's just rain, so it's not terrible, um, but it is quite gray. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, it, it seems like it it, it, damp, it dampens your mood a little bit. I kind of thrive in the rain. What, how do you feel <laughs> when it rains? Yeah, you're right. It makes me feel tired, um, a little bit demotivated, but that's okay. I mean, I, I also think there's like a kind of beauty in rain, you know, like it's very spiritual somehow. It's like the earth is crying or something, but I think it's kind of beautiful. So mixed feelings. Well, I, I imagine because, you know, you, you've written a book on poetry called Healing. Yes. And when I think of writers, especially poets, I think of uh, uh, a slightly like rainy or like melancholy day in Paris <laughs> at, a, at a coffee shop. You know, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah like that, that's when all, all the inspiration hits. Uh, but it mm-hmm. doesn't sound like that's what works for you. Like you need like a uh, like infrared sauna type of light <laughs> or something. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, I always write on the weekends and usually it's in the morning, but I also get waves of inspiration like late at night. Like it's very interesting. I, fe- I find I'm very inspired by like the moon and the stars and kind of nature and all of its different forms and elements. So I think you're right. I think there's something to it. You, you know, I, I'm, in, I'm inspired at the same time also. Early morning yeah, and then evenings. In the middle of the day, I'm trash. 
Like I'm no bueno. I don't care if the sun is out, if it's yeah. raining, it doesn't care what the circumstances are. Uh, I'm not high functioning. Uh, yeah. I, siestas are a real thing. Those were that was made mm-hmm. for Leo flowers. Mm-hmm. I completely relate to you. Seriously, in the middle of the day, I feel I I just need to take a break because the productivity is uh, <laughs> it's starting to tank a little bit. So yeah. Now this the poetry book. He, what's interesting is I I just now getting into poetry. Okay. Uh, as a kid, I wrote poems, and then I started writing rhymes and and uh, oh, cool. and scripts and blah blah blah. I've just always had a had the writing spirit. Um, mm. But poetry is something I've, even though I I like to uh, write it, I never was big on reading it. But now I'm finding so much value in writing poetry. Mm. How did that become an outlet for you? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, when I was about 14, I was at boarding school and I went to this boarding school, which was in the middle of nowhere. It was a very beautiful campus. So there was a lot of beautiful nature around me, but because of that, there wasn't like a ton to do with your free time. And I always knew that I was a writer, like really ever since I was very young, I was doing these like creative stories and writing little stories about animals and the sun and all of these like cute things. But I think I really got into it when I was at high school and I started keeping a journal. And at first it was very flowery and kind of over the top. But over time I started to, you know, be a little bit harder on myself with my writing and start to get more into being succinct and more purposeful with the imagery that I was using And yeah, from there, I started to write poetry. So I kind of fell into it. But I never studied like forms of poetry, except for my high school English class. (laughs) But I did a couple of independent studies while I was there at high school. So I did a poetry project and a photography project. And yeah, from there, it became a huge passion for me. So I've been writing for over 10, 12 years now. Well, you know, what's beautiful is that you, you combine both passions of photography and and writing poetry yeah. uh, like Steve Jobs. You know, it's like even though we know him for the, the computers, it, it was mm-hmm. also his love of, of, of penmanship and lithography, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. w- which is why, like, we have all these different fonts uh, with uh, on, on the uh, on the Mac. He, he brought that over uh, with him. And so. You you, oh, wow. you both are uh, combining two skills and, and putting it into one. What what is it that you yeah. want to communicate uh, with the with the poetry? Uh, you know, you call it healing. What? Uh, yeah. In terms of what? Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's funny because when I was in high school, I think that that was the time when a lot of my friends and a lot of people in my community were kind of figuring out who they were for the first time. And so through that, I think there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of confrontation with who you are, whether that's with your mental health, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about more, or with relationships with yourself and with others. And so for me, um, I've always had a strong relationship with myself, but I've definitely had difficult relationships and stuff. And healing for me, I... I connect a lot to my spirituality through poetry, 
So I think that through my writing, it's a way of me sharing my spirituality and also helping other people be inspired to focus on self-love and self-empowerment. Like that's a really big thing for me. And I feel like um, once you once you get there, like it takes some time, but once you get there and once you get to this level of accepting yourself and all your flaws and, you know, all of the different things that you have going on, you can really make it through some very difficult circumstances. Um, and recently, you know, with the coronavirus, what's been really touching to me is I've gotten some messages like on Instagram and on my book and people have said that just kind of having those Sunday mornings and reading some of my poems and just sitting with the words have actually made them feel a lot more like relaxed and less anxious in what is a very stressful time for a lot of people. Is there a poem that's resonating with uh, readers more than others? There's a couple. Um, there's one called Danger, which it's towards the end of the book. So the book is split into five sections, but this poem Danger is in the section called My Power. Um, and I mean, I'll give you a little bit of context. So it's really about like stepping out of society's mold for you. And I don't think you would even know that if you read the poem, how it is, because, you know, poetry can be very like high level and symbolic and cryptic. But for me, um, it was about really finding my spirituality and feeling like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this to the table. Like I'm not going to be shy about it anymore because I know in our society, a lot of people are, I mean, it, it's a, it's a bigger thing now, but I think when I was growing up, it was kind of like a woo woo kind of topic. Um, and yeah, so danger is, it's just about accepting my whole self. And I think that other people have related to this because it, it makes them feel empowered and it makes them also think about who they are and yeah, the parts of themselves that maybe they're kind of shoving away a little bit or not wanting to confront. So strangely, when I write, that's when I feel the most connected to myself. And I feel like, um, yeah, that's when I, that's when I know myself the most. So I like to share that with other people. It really is a challenge to accept yourself. I mean, I'm constantly pulling my shirt down over my little uh, love handles. Because, you know, my, my girl, she she be she in here baking everything. So I'm eating everything. You know, I got to I gotta yeah. let her know that it, it tastes good, you know. So I'm, that's, that's what I blame it on. I'm like, well, uh, you know, how is she going to know if it tastes good unless I eat them all? And so, yeah. um, but no, it's definitely, you know, we all have these parts of us. I mean, I think that's why I like the self-help section of, of, of bookstores or, you know, the, the books mm. are always flying off the shelves and we, we just can't get enough because we have these parts of us that we're trying to fix instead of just accept. It should be like the self-acceptance, you know, part mm -hmm. of a bookstore. And, and, but yeah. how do we, how do we do that? You said that for you, writing is, is the way that you feel connected. Um, yeah. and, and, and is that, is that what we should be pursuing that feeling of connection, you know, like, and, and I know mm. it's gonna be different for everybody, but when you talk about self-acceptance and self-love, how does that look tangibly? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, so I'll start by saying, I think it's different for different people, but how I think of it is there's activities that we can do that disconnect us. And there's activities that we can do that connect us. 
And usually the disconnection is very closely tied in with the distraction. So we've been kind of trained in our social norms to be distracted constantly, you know, whether it's like at work, you're jumping from message to message or appointment to appointment, or, you know, on the weekends, you're scrolling through Instagram and you're being kind of like mindless instead of like mindfully taking in that information. So I think that none of that is bad. And I do all of that stuff too, because to an extent you have to, to operate in our world. But I think it just needs to be balanced with activities that actually connect you purposefully to something. So for me, it's writing. It's it's something where I can actually slow down. Nobody else is there. I don't have any notifications like going on my phone that I need to respond to. And I can kind of look within through that exercise. But I find that for other people, it's something like running, you know, where they can get like a natural high. Or um, I don't know, if you're like a programmer and you lose yourself in the code, it's finding that flow that I think is really important and that connects you. Um, And I, so I come from like a behavioral science background and I studied organizational behavior. And so I really believe in these like daily habits and daily rituals that we set up for ourselves. And I think the only person who can really do that is you, you know, and it's, it's easier said than done. But once you find those things that speak to you, I think at least 10 minutes a day, you have to do it every day because otherwise your, your tank of energy is always kind of depleting And so you have to find those activities that replenish you and you have to put them in your day to day. And once those are built in, it actually becomes a nice structure for the rest of your day. And it becomes a lot easier for you to go about your life. It's it's so true. It's it's so challenging to figure out exactly what replenishes you. And and I I think a lot of times we think it, it requires an hour or 90 minutes or but in as little as. 10 minutes a day, we can't underestimate the power of that um, yeah. in terms of, you know, if you go outside, just walking outside for 10 minutes, I, you know, I, I recorded a mm-hmm. podcast before this one and I had a 30 minute window and, and I just walked outside for about 20 minutes and, you know, get some vitamin D. I'm in San Diego, mm-hmm. so we're not struggling with that rain right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, I came back and I just was like, oh, that was all I needed. It was like, you know, just a quick, uh, you know, I don't need an hour. I don't need 90. Um, yeah. What Definitely. are, now when you talk about healing and, and self-acceptance and self-love, was that, mm-hmm. was that something that was always available to you? Did you always, were you always able to accept yourself and love yourself or, or was there a, a journey that brought you? to that place? Yeah, I think it was a bit of both. Um, So I feel very fortunate in that I come from a very loving environment and home. So when I was growing up, you know, my parents were super supportive of me and really encouraged me to like throw myself into my creativity, like my art and my writing. Um, So I always had that as a strong foundation. But I do think that in high school, I kind of struggled because I was always a giver. Like I was always giving people so much time and so much energy. And because of that, I was finding myself very depleted. And I do think that for a few years, I struggled with my own relationship with myself because I wasn't prioritizing myself. And I kept putting other people 
over me and above me. And it really did nothing for me except make me feel like completely worn down. Um, and that's something that even today, you know, I, I have a very demanding job during the day and I do s still struggle with this to an extent, like, where do you draw the line, you know? Um, but I think that through writing, I mean, especially my first poems were all about breakups, like all of them, you know, <laughs> which is very classic for a high school girl. But I think it, it was an important symbolism because at that time I was kind of defining myself through other people. So it was like, oh, if other people love and accept me, I have self-worth. Um, and it took me a while to realize that actually I was kind of thinking about it backwards. Like I have to love and accept myself first. And then once I have that, other people kind of attract to you like a magnet. And since high school, you know, it's been a few years since then, I've done a lot of studying of like energy. So, I mean, I do a lot of meditation, but I also have a Reiki level two certification. And I've just been totally blown away by all of these practices to balance your energy and a lot of the issues that we have are because our energy is just completely imbalanced and they can actually be um, not fixed, but they can kind of, you can be more brought into balance or more brought into your center through these energetic practices. So I've been doing a lot of that for the last couple of years too. When you talk about balancing energy, is that synonymous with balancing your hormones? You know, I, I think of it in that way. What, mm. what's, uh, what's the difference here? Can you separate those? Yeah. So I don't know enough about like hormone science and all the chemicals to, to say how it relates. But what I can tell you is there's different energy centers in our body. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with Reiki, but there's like seven major energy centers. It starts from your head and it goes to the base of your groin. Um, and these energy centers, they essentially need to be aligned. And the way that you do that is through a very deep form of meditation. And it's kind of, it's quite simple. Like you, you can sit for 10 minutes a day and focus on each of these energy centers. They're called chakras. Um, and yeah, it is like hormones in the sense that if you think of your energy as a tank, like you have a tank of gas, if your energy isn't balanced, then you're always running on fumes. So uh, what happens to a lot of people is they go about their day to day, their tank is already like halfway depleted and they have a million meetings that day. They're running from one thing to the next. And then by the end of the day, they're just completely exhausted and they never are able to, you know, center themselves back again. And so that cycle just continues. Um, so yeah, so I've studied a bunch of like energy work and kind of ways to, offset that and fix that per se. And yeah, you can definitely balance your energy. Um, but it does take the quiet time and it does take a lot of like deep breathing, visualization exercises. And that all has to do again with like self-love, self-acceptance, letting go of the anxiety and the fear that we often carry around. Yeah. I, th I think that the self-love part is, is such a challenging thing for people to, to, uh, wrap their heads around because, you know, when you yeah. think about the media and movies and the messages we get, uh, even from other people, um, a lot of people yeah. don't model that very well. We don't, we don't see a lot of great examples of 
of no. loving oneself and, and what that really looks like. I, I think that it sounds to me like what you're saying is it's not so much about uh, getting something or receiving something as much as it is about just sitting in where you are right now and connecting to your breath. And, and, and that is uh, the, the, yeah. the height of self-love. Mm-hmm. I think so, because it's funny, it's not, it's not a process that happens overnight, you know, like it's something where you don't notice a difference. For example, if I take a meditation, you won't notice a difference from today to tomorrow. Like you'll try it and you'll be like, well, that sucked. Like nothing happened, you know, but if you do it over the course of time, I think that what you do notice, and a lot of people talk about this, it's like taking your practice off the mat into your day-to-day life. Um, And you'll see that as different situations come up, you feel less anxious and you feel less stressed than you would have beforehand. So it's really, again, it's like cultivating those 10 minutes in your day. It can be as small as that, or it can even be like two minutes and doing something consistent because you begin to rely on that. And that's like your keystone. So I think having that keystone is super important. Like literally that to me is the key to self-love. Like if you were to ask me, what's the door to open to self-love? It's like having that one habit that you can rely on. Um, and I think that through doing that, yeah, you, you definitely reach a level of pause and reflection and self-compassion that you wouldn't otherwise. I love that. I love that definition of self-love of having that one thing that grounds you, that tethers you so that when you feel like you're flying too close to the sun, like Icarus, uh, you have, you have something that you know is going to pull you back a home base. Like, I mean, that's what Mm. we all want is a, as a, is to know it's not about, it's not about being at, at home or at, being on a home base. It's about just knowing that it's there and, and there's yeah. a way for me to, to get to it. And it doesn't require uh, 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 millions or thousands of dollars or vacation in Bali or uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, necessarily going to a therapist. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, I meditate daily and mm-hmm. I love the fact that you said eventually you get to a place where you take your practice off the mat and into your life because mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm still working on that part. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's still pretty much on the mat for Leo flowers <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I'm 44 and I, you know, and I've been doing it off and on for a while, but um, I've been more yeah. consistent as of lately, but I am, I'm reaching a point now where I am aware of it slowly starting to leave the mat. Mm, like like I, I'm just like just noticing it just just very recently and mm-hmm. uh, it's a, it's a cool feeling it's a super cool yeah. feeling of oh I don't have to always go to the mat for this where right now I I, I still pretty much do mm. you know like 95% yeah. and that's okay you know it takes a lot of time I think it's funny because even when I meditate, I have these days sometimes where I'm just thoughts are just flying through my head. And the whole point of meditation is like recognize the thoughts and then let them pass. And that for me sometimes is really challenging. But one thing I do notice is I've been doing it every day for about three years now, I think. And 
just the, my mental state, like literally how my head feels before and after meditation is like two different things. I literally feel before my head has a cloud over it. Like if you were to just picture this cloud hanging over my head, that is how I would describe how I feel before. And after it's like the cloud has been lifted. And it's not that it's some like amazing revelation or anything like that, but it's just that that mental feeling that makes me, that's like my reward. You know, every habit has a reward because if you don't have a reward, you're not going to do the habit. And for me, that's my reward. Like that's good enough where I will do it every day because I know that those 10 minutes are going to make so much of a difference throughout the rest of my day. Well, I would imagine, it sounds like you, you know, because you said you went to a boarding school, correct? Yeah. And I I would imagine that that came with a lot of of discipline. Was there also... when I yeah. think of a boarding school, I think I I think isolation, like you're around some kids that you really don't know and you're trying to fit in. Was it like that for you or were you able to 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 mix right in there? Yeah. Um, wow, this is so funny. I love talking about high school because I don't get the opportunity to do it much, but I think it was a very formative period of my life. Um, yeah. So when I first joined, I was 14, which is fairly young to leave home and go out to live with a bunch of people you don't know. But yeah, I think I was like a total, I wouldn't say I was a misfit because people liked me because I was very calm, but my style, my, um, how quiet I was and how shy I was at that time, you know, it didn't really mesh with the rest of the community, but over time, I I found my people and I found the activities that I was really excited about. So I got really into, um, I I mentioned like doing my independent studies, but I also did student tutoring and I found this like love of helping other people develop, which has kind of led me full circle because now I do like career coaching and personal development coaching for my job and also on the side. And yeah, I also was involved in like students concerned about planet Earth and doing like tours for visiting professors um, and yeah, potential students. And I think, yeah, that was a, it was a really interesting time, but there was definitely a lot of structure. And each day we only had about two hours free to ourselves. And I think that that more than anything was where I learned to really treasure my free time. Like, in my mind, it actually having free time is so valuable, but you don't need to have a lot of it. It's rather like, how do you spend that time? And a lot of people I talk to, they're like, oh yeah, you know, I, I scrolled Instagram for two hours and that's cool because we all have times where we need to just kind of chill out and do nothing. But if you are again, like low on energy and feeling very depleted, then what I normally advise people to do is use those two hours to do something that will take care of yourself and actually like feed you back with the energy that you need. Yeah. I love that. Uh, uh, Gabrielle, are you, uh, is there, it sounds like the mic is rubbing up against a button or something or uh, like there are beads uh, rattling around. Oh, sorry. Uh, it might be my necklace. So. Oh, got it. Got it. Got it. No, I'm always fidgeting <laughs> with stuff. And then I, I completely forget that the, the, the mic picks up all the things. Yeah. Okay. How does it sound now? Is excellent. Excellent. Uh, when you, you said, you know, currently you are involved in career development and personal development. 
in terms of like the personal development, are there, is there a structure mm-hmm. that you take people through? Because so many people I find like, you know, uh, struggle with purpose, meaning who are they, mm-hmm. why are they here? Is there a, a blueprint for how you help somebody develop personally? Yeah. So what I typically do is I'll ask people, I'll have like an intro session with my clients. It takes about 45 minutes. And one of the questions I ask, which is not my own, but I unfortunately don't remember where I got it. It is uh, if I were a genie and I were to grant you three wishes, what would they be? And I tell them very specifically, it doesn't only have to be your career. You know, some people think that it has to be all about career and all about leadership, but I'm more of a holistic coach. Like I care about, you know, what are the three things in your life that you care about and want to achieve? And then from there, what I do is I give my clients a personal development plan template where they basically write down no more than three things that they want to focus on for the next three months. And I'll tell you like very candidly, the thing that most people I find struggle with is focus. Like people are trying to be superheroes and they put so much on their plate and a lot of it is self-imposed, you know, and the more that you put that stuff on your plate, the more other people think it's okay to treat you that way and to keep like throwing the tasks onto your back as well. And you get to this point of like explosion And I find that people are very harsh with themselves. You know, they're just like putting task after task after task and always like talking down to themselves. So I try and get them to focus on those three things. And then we have a session around that. Once we've agreed on those three things together, um, we start to identify the weekly habits that they can hold themselves to, which again goes back to what I was talking about before. But that's how I approach the personal development I love that. It, it is true. As as you were talking about self-imposed superheroes, uh, yeah. I was like, just yesterday, I was passed out thinking about mm-hmm. all the stuff that was on my plate and, and feeling like I should be able to do it all. I was comparing myself to like The Rock and Kevin Hart and <laughs> yeah. <it> like, <laughs> like just yeah. these re- and not even comparing myself to them, but the images of them, the the work ethic that they have. And I'm like, but you, Elon Musk isn't sleeping right now, you know, like just <laughs> insane grandiosity yeah. and, uh, and just completely feeling burnt out. And, and I'm like, well, like, the, like, this is ridiculous. Like it's good to have a purpose and goals and to feel accomplished and get things done. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, um, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you can, you know, I'm reading this book about Genghis Khan and mm. as much as, he's done in terms of, you know, he he conquered so many countries, but united so many countries and and spread so many different cultural uh, influences, but nobody's Mm -hmm. really talking about Genghis Khan, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. like, like as great as he was, that's not like a, that's not what you're (laughs) thinking about when you're sitting at the dinner table with your family, you know, like you're, you're really trying to connect with the loved ones. So uh, it's such a, uh, it must be, Feel very rewarding to help people tap into uh, their purpose. It does. And what I've realized is sometimes it only takes like a 45 minute conversation to really discover a layer of your purpose. 
like you might not walk away being like mind blown, like you figured out the plan for the rest of your life kind of thing. But usually having that dedicated time to really do nothing but focus on yourself, people walk away with these like amazing realizations that they wouldn't have if they just continued spinning their wheels. And I think as a coach, you know, one of the cool things about coaching is that you're asking people questions that nobody else is going to ask them. Like nobody else in their life is going to be like, Hey, Brad, you know, if I was a genie, what are the three things that you would wish for? Like what wishes would you want granted? Or nobody's going to Nobody's going to ask them, like, how would you think about that differently? Or some of those open-ended questions. Like, a lot of the questions we use in our day-to-day conversations are very closed. Like, we already have an agenda, and we want to tell the person as opposed to be with the person or kind of gently guide or nudge them. So I think a lot about that, and I think that's why those questions are so powerful and help people connect to who they are. One of the things I love about what you said is the idea of gently guiding and nudging. It's it's so true that we try to tell people what to do and you're going to do this and you're going to be that. And we don't have these open ended questions. We we think they are, but we say things like you want to be a doctor, right? Or don't Mm -hmm. you want to go to my college? Like, you know, it's like (laughs) these leading questions of things that are illegal, first of all, in a court of law. If you're a lawyer, you couldn't ask a leading question. And mm-hmm. but we do it all the time with each other. And, and it and it and it causes uh, 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 this this layer of um, pressure that I think people yeah. are unaware of. I don't think people do it intentionally because I think it's how a lot of people communicate. But it's yeah. how, but it on a, an emotional level, we feel that. Do you do you feel that? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that. A lot of communication is like, I'm telling you what I expect of you. And it's not, I mean, I understand there's a time and place for that. You know, I think if you're a business and you're trying to achieve a certain goal and you have certain targets and metrics to hit, that's totally on the table. But I also think, again, people don't balance it very much with just sitting there and like being there for the other person. And also like knowing it's okay to not have an agenda sometimes like some of the so when I was um, doing my master's degree I studied trust and I truly believe that some of the conversations where you build the strongest trust is where you don't have an agenda with that person like you're sitting with them there you're open to whatever comes up whether it's happy sad anxious whatever it is and you're just being there with them And I think that, like, there's a being there for yourself, which falls into the self-love piece. And then there's also being there for other people. And if you're always walking around with a to-do list of what this person should do for you or what you expect of that person, then, you know, the trust, it's going to take so much longer to build. Can you give us, you talked about if if you were a genie and you could grant three wishes, what would they be? Mm What's a, what are some other open-ended questions that we can ask to, to, un, to, to get at the layers and, and find out what's really going on up under the hood? Yeah. So uh, 
I will say some of these, you might find it a little difficult to put into your daily conversations, but let me try and think of some. So one that I like to use a lot is when I start my coaching sessions, I always make sure there is some kind of focus. So very different from an agenda, you know, a focus is like, I let the other person define what they want to get out of the conversation. So I'm on their agenda. They're not on mine. Um, so one of the questions I use for that is I say, you know, if, if this conversation were to be life-changing for you, you know, what would you figure out? Like, what would you walk away with? Or by the end of this conversation, what insights are you looking to walk away with? And usually they say something and it doesn't matter if they hit the nail on the head at the beginning, that really doesn't matter at all. It's just kind of getting the ideas flowing. And throughout that conversation, one question always leads to the next. And by the end of it, they've always come up with something that caused them to reflect and caused them to think about a situation in a new or different way. So I, I like those questions. Um, and I also like questions that sound really deep, like, what is your purpose? Or, you know, if I were to ask you to think about this in a, in a different way, what comes to mind? Or if you were to take a big leap in this, what would it be? You know, if you were really to go outside of your comfort zone, what would you do? So these are all open-ended questions where the important thing is that the person is finding the solution. So you're not filling in the blanks for them. Rather, they're the ones who are coming up with the content and they're coming up with the steps that seem most realistic for them while still dreaming big because they're still going out of their comfort zone. So yeah, those are a couple. Well, you know, and, and what's uh, really remarkable about that is that you're teaching people that they themselves have the answers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because you're not coming up with the answers or the solutions. As you said, that you're, you're, open, you're asking open-ended questions, and, and they themselves are coming up with the content, and they're coming up with the steps on, on how to achieve it. And, and I would assume that that would uh, lead people to feel more empowered as they, as they yeah. uh, exit the session. Definitely. I mean, there's a lot of science behind it with coaching you, the synapses in your brain, like are actually wired more strongly together. If you come to your own solution, as opposed to if I tell you what to do, because what we typically do on a day to day basis is again, we have an agenda, we're telling people what to do. But instead, you know, in the coaching conversation, a lot of people, a lot of people try and ask me for answers and I say, well, you know, what would you do? And they say, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm like, well, just try, you know, what's the harm in trying? It's a, it's a safe space to try something. And if you throw something out and it doesn't work, that's fine. It was a controlled experiment and we move on and we try something else. So that's like one method that I use a lot. And then another method I use is think of someone who you admire in your life who's really good at this thing. Like, let's just take, I don't know, public speaking for an example. Think of that person, you know, what does he or she do that's so incredible that, you know, makes you admire them and feel empowered? Now pretend that you are that person. You know, how would you address this issue? And usually by doing that, you know, they've come up with a solution that 
it didn't exist on a piece of paper before. Like there was no blueprint. And that person that they're thinking of may have never actually said that, (laughs) you know, in real life. But they've come up with a solution that they can use for themselves without me having to do anything other than ask the question. Well, it sounds like you're you're like a facilitator, like you're you're uh like you're a guide mm-hmm. at a at a theme park, and a theme park is their their soul yeah. and their mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is a lot like being like that, and I think that one thing that I find really interesting is in coaching. Um, for me personally, like it's a space where I've always felt very confident, but it's funny because there's other things I do where I don't feel confident at all. But when I'm coaching, I feel that it's such a safe space, like the conversation and the premise of that is all built on, you know, this is confidential. This is not going to leave this space. This is time just for you. And because of that, I feel comfortable with like nudging the person and challenging them a little bit. So I do also like try and push their buttons a tiny bit. And I do kind of like get them to go out of their comfort zone because I think by doing that, you're opening up the realm of possibility. Like a lot of people go about their lives and they're thinking, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do this. Oh, I'm not good enough to do that. I'm not good enough to do this. And so just by visualizing the what if, like what if I could do that or, you know, what would that look like, then you're planting a seed in their mind. And from there, the seed over time can grow and you just have to cultivate it. So I think it's really powerful. Absolutely. And and poetry is, is a very powerful thing, too. As a kid growing mm-hmm. up, I always thought it was, you know, something for girls and Uh, you know, even though I had wrote it myself, but you know, I was writing Mm -hmm. it for girls and, (laughs) and, uh, and so it was something I was like, man, what is this? But, you know, I was looking it up and they were talking about like some of the benefits that people get from reading poems and, uh, the three benefits that they list are improves verbal skills and memory Two Mm -hmm. improves critical thinking, and then also develops empathy and insight. Uh, mm. which I think is, like you said, challenging for a lot of people, which is why you take them through those exercises. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I think empathy is a really big one. Um, I find, so during my day, my day job, I do leadership coaching, like I mentioned, and work with a lot of leaders who are facing a lot of challenges, you know, with their team. And they're in very high stress environments where things are changing a lot. You know, they're doing fundraising, they're leading departments, they're doing work as an individual contributor on top of being a leader. And a lot of these people's schedules are just absolutely packed. You know, they're just crazy. But I think a lot of things, which always kind of shocks me, but in a good way, a lot of the challenges that they have when I'm in coaching sessions with them are usually solved by empathy exercises. Um, so obviously I can't go into like great detail, not to break confidentiality, but as an example, in one of my sessions recently, I had a woman who was very frustrated with someone that she was working with. And I asked her, you know, she was approaching the conversation from a place of being very upset just being kind of at the end of her wire with this person because they had let her down a lot of times. And I asked her, how would you talk to this person and express your upset as if they were a child? And it sounds weird. Like I think on 
on a first ask, it sounds like it could be a little bit odd or <laughs> even demeaning, but the way that she phrased her upset was in such a softer way because that's how we speak to children. You know, we speak to them like they are um, to be cared for. I mean, hopefully, you know, to be cared for, to be supported. And because of that, we took her from a place of being a lot in a lot of anger and just, you know, really being very frustrated to a place of empathy and a place of openness and a place of teaching instead of accusing. So I do think that empathy and those like empathy exercises that you can do are amazing. Yeah. Can you empathy is so tough. There's a guy, Chris Voss, who just wrote a book, Never Split the Difference. And Mm -hmm. uh, of course, to appeal to men, he had to call it tactical empathy. Like, mm-hmm. like we're walking around with a gun shooting out empathy or something. But it's, it's an incredible book. And, and, uh, and it made me realize uh, how poor I was at empathizing <laughs> with <laughs> other people, mm-hmm. <laughs> but also with myself and having, and having compassion for myself because mm. it, it goes back to you're, you can only do for others what you can do for yourself. And, and if, you know, like you can only it goes back to that whole recharging. Also, I can only give you the yeah. energy that that I've been able to give myself. And 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 so I guess with that, I'm asking, what are some other what are some ways that people can practice empathy? Because I hear that word so much, but I, I, I don't I don't it's not tangible to me. Like, what does that sound like? It can. And we get a, another example of that. Yeah, well, so I think there's a fine line between empathy and compassion. Um, I think technically they're different, but I don't remember the exact definition for why. But I know that in researching compassion, there's like three steps to it. There's noticing, there's listening, and there's responding. So when you're thinking about your conversations with people, but also with yourself, sometimes it's as simple as saying, okay, whoa, chill out. Let's stop for a second. Let's just notice how am I feeling? And a lot of times the answer is, okay, I feel anxious. And so, okay, let's listen to that a bit. Like, what does the anxiety feel like? You know, what does it sound like? What words am I using to express my anxiety? And kind of going through that, just letting that play out for a little bit. And then there's responding. Um, which for you, maybe it's like taking a walk, for example. You said that's a good way of kind of switching your mindset and recharging yourself. For other people, maybe it's meditating. For other people, maybe it's, I don't know, cooking dinner. It's, it's switching your mindset and getting out of that place of anxiety. So that's like something that you can do with yourself. And then when you're with other people to use the same framework, you know, if you find a conversation is getting a little bit like heated or you're kind of not listening to each other anymore, or you're telling the other person what to do or vice versa. I think just taking a second to say, okay, <laughs> whoa, chill out. Let me notice what's going on here. How is the other person feeling? Like, let's not, let's lose the agenda for a second. As you can tell, I'm a big proponent for <laughs> losing the agenda. Let's just tune in for a second to the other person's emotions. And then from there, it's just a matter of listening, taking it in, asking, okay, how are you feeling about this? You know, tell me what's going on for you. You're using some of those open-ended questions 
to get on the same page again. And so a lot of those like heated arguments and debates, I think if you're the one to kind of slow them down, you can demonstrate a level of compassion that takes a, a very disjointed conversation into a much more aligned conversation. Wow. As I'm listening to that, I'm thinking about how often my a lot of my anxiety is tied into having an agenda. Mm. Uh, like I, the, the things I want to get done. I'm like, I got to get these 10 yeah. things done. I got to get these five things. I got to do this by this time. And, and I mm-hmm. have such a huge agenda that um, I, I lose connection with myself yeah. and, and uh, not checking in with myself. And so, and, but why it stands out is previously when I thought of having an agenda, I always thought of it as, uh, outwardly, like um, like that person has an agenda against me, or I have an agenda uh, mm. with that person, and I never thought about having an agenda with myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and and how much that's causing? Uh, have you have you recognized that in yourself also? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Every weekend. <laughs> so as I said, yeah, it's not it's not an overnight thing. Um, Every weekend, you know, I wake up on Saturday morning and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to work towards my goals. I'm going to upload a YouTube video. I'm going to write a poem. I'm going to do all of this stuff. And I have a long list of like 10 items. And it takes me a second to put it all down. I am a proponent of just putting it all down because I think having a good brain dump is actually very beneficial because it just kind of takes it out of your mind and it puts it onto the paper. And once it's on the paper, I think of it as like, it's, it's not mine anymore. Like they're just floating items and they'll become mine again once I decide to own certain ones. And I know that sounds really weird, but it's like, okay, you list out all the things that you have to do, let go of them, like consciously let go of being attached to the outcome for that thing. And then maybe circle like two or three And focus on doing those two or three really mindfully and really well, because if you try and do all 10, what's going to happen? I mean, all of them are going to be kind of, you know, done in a half-assed way, or they're not going to be as good as they could be. So yeah, I'm a big proponent of that. Just taking a second to kind of reacquaint yourself with what is your agenda? And do you, do you even need to have an agenda in the first place? Like maybe, during the weekday, sure, to keep yourself busy and to keep yourself on track and on target, you might. But I think there's also a time and a place for just losing the agenda and just being. Like, I think a lot of this time, especially now with the coronavirus and being in quarantine, this is a lesson for us in just being. And, you know, I had all of these, like, great and huge goals for how I was going to grow my business and what channels I was going to market it on. And, you know, I, I'm going to publish a book with a lot of other poets. I'm doing all of these projects, but sometimes I have to remind myself, like, I don't need to do all of those things right now. You know, like I just need to focus on being and being present and enjoying this time at home with loved ones and, and with myself, because this is treasure time. We don't have a lot of time with ourselves. And so if I have the time I might as well use it and focus on the moment. When people talk about uh, and, and or share their three wishes, is there a common theme that pops up? Yeah, 
So a lot of people, it's interesting. I think a lot of people talk about freedom, but they talk about it in different forms. Like one, which is the most common is financial freedom. And I think that the reason why people want that is because they want to be able to live the truest expression of who they are. So if they don't feel very fulfilled in their day-to-day job, like what they're doing currently, I think that grates on people. And so they see financial freedom as like a, a way to get to that, to get to that place of, you know, I can be creative, I can be purposeful, I can spread my message, I can spread you know, whatever it is that speaks to me. Like for me, it's my writing. For other people, it's something else entirely. Um, And then of course, there's like the, a lot of people talk about their families, like just raising their children to be good citizens and well-rounded people. And um, yeah, I think a lot of people also just want to be more in touch with themselves. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges in our society today is in a world of constant distraction and constant pressure, you know, how do you actually kind of remove yourself from that a little bit and have that time to yourself and have that reflection time? And I I feel like all of my conversations ultimately like end up going back to that. So that's like the hardest nut to crack. But as I kind of said at the beginning, I think that once you make a little dent in it, you are doing such amazing work for your path for the future. Because once you make that dent, it doesn't just go away. Like you might have times in your life where you feel really down and you feel like in a really dark place, but because you have that insight and because you have connected to yourself and kind of sat with those emotions, I think, um, yeah, you end up, you end up bringing possibility for yourself you sound so grounded and connected <laughs> and and besides the poetry and the writing and and and, and the movement yeah. ha- have you been to therapy have you has there uh, been some work in that direction for you or uh, family members yeah i so it's funny so i have gone to therapy before i've also been a peer counselor Um, usually I was the one who was kind of like leading or guiding the conversation, so to speak. And I also like therapy a lot because therapy and coaching are different, but they are similar in the way that there's not a specific agenda for each conversation. Therapy I find is a lot about the present, but also the past. Like there's a lot of stuff that comes up from the past that you work through In therapy and in coaching, it tends to be more about the future. So I would say that's like the biggest distinction. But yeah, definitely when I was in high school and college, I definitely had relationships um, where, you know, after like a breakup or something like that, I was just torn apart and definitely went to therapy for that. So and I found it very helpful. And I think that it does depend who you're with. I think you have to find the right person the person who you feel like the connection is genuine and authentic because it can't just be anybody. And I think it works on for some people a little bit better, better than others. Like I know some people who have been to therapy and it just doesn't really seem to hit the nail on the head for them. Like it, it's not working, but similar to meditation, I think that if you do it over time, it makes a huge difference and you have to be willing to kind of live that out and let that play out. 
Absolutely. It's, it's just like a dating. Like, you know, it's like you got to find the right mm-hmm. person. You might have to go through three or five or eight. And, yeah. and in some cases, you might find it online therapy. It might be the form of therapy yeah. uh, or the context of it that, that has to change for you. I like to backtrack just a little bit because we were talking mm-hmm. about uh, the three wishes and how people pick uh, the thing. One of the things being freedom, but more specifically mm-hmm. financial freedom. And it, mm-hmm. and it seems to me like it's, um, uh, I don't know what the word is, but th- th- we link the, the freedom to express who we are to a number. To like, once I'm making, mm-hmm. you know, $2 mm-hmm. million dollars or $5 million or 700000 or or mm-hmm. whatever your number is, we have this idea that we can then freely express ourselves. And that does mm-hmm. not seem to be the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think it is the case. Um, I've read a few things about that. So I do think that it's very easy for people to kind of set a number and think, oh, yeah, that's the goal. And once mm-hmm. I get there, all of my problems are going to wash away. But I don't think that's true at all. I think that once you get there, you kind of set the next goal for yourself. And then, you know, you still have the same problems kind of thing. So, yeah, I really I encourage people when they're thinking about financial freedom, it's never about the numbers like that should not be your reason for trying to get there. I think instead it's about like sharing your message and and sharing your purpose. And I think that I also am a big believer in karma. So it's like, if you're doing something for the wrong reasons, I don't think that it's going to come back to you in the way that you want it to. Like, you know, it might work for some time, but in the long run, I don't think it will be truly sustainable. So I do believe, you know, finding your purpose, finding your message, having really clear reasons for why you want to do this thing or share it with other people. And then once you, once you have that down, then it's like, cool, all systems go. Let's work together on your plan. Let's hold you accountable for doing those things, but in a way where it's very genuine and it's very purposeful. But we're not shooting for some kind of like millionaire number because there's a lot of millionaires out there who probably aren't that happy. Absolutely. Uh, Gabriella, we've shared and talked about so much. Is there anything we haven't covered that you feel like listeners should know that could help them develop personally or career-wise or improve their mental health? Yeah, I feel, um, I think there's a lot, you know, I think like for anybody who is listening, I would really encourage you to look into forms of energy work because I think that it's very healing. So we talked a little bit about my book and how I find healing through writing, but I think For different people, it comes in different forms, but I think one form that tends to work for everyone is energy work on some level. So whether it's Reiki, meditation, distance healing, all of that, I think it's amazing. Um, And I would also encourage people to be open to different methods of like self-expression. And I know that sounds like very high level, but one of the things that I do, I mentioned I'm very spiritual, is I also do like tarot card reading, which some people are like, oh, that sounds scary. Um, But for me, I've seen like mathematically, statistically, there is no way that the cards can be as accurate as they are without some kind of like 
higher power, like something in the universe is going on. So yeah, I would encourage people to like keep an open mind and be willing to explore some of those things because you'll find that you get a lot closer to who you are and your soul. And I think that getting close to your soul is the most important thing and just dealing with any kind of anxiety, stress, worry, depression, whatever it is. I think that, yeah, getting close to yourself and your soul is, yeah, it's the most amazing thing. It's a, it's a huge conduit to success. Can you do a tarot card reading uh, via Skype? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I've done that before. Do you I, have them available? Can you do mine? <laughs> yeah, if you want. I have to get them. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is going to be great. The listeners are going to know all about Leo Flowers now. <laughs> okay, let me find them. Let's see. We'll, we'll play some uh, some do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had a tarot card reading before? I had a tarot card reading uh, in 2000. Two or three. Two thousand two. It was a. <laughs> it was a okay. It was a very. <laughs> that a, was a long time a ago. Very, I'm, I'm definitely due for a checkup. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I just told my dentist I haven't seen a dentist since two thousand two. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, so let me just take a second. I need to meditate kind of but i'll do it quickly oh this is cool picking some cards i'm gonna pick like a few and i do believe that oh you're getting some good ones whatever comes out is like the universe's divine message for you so it is um it's meant to be whatever it is that you hear oh i, I love this Ooh, okay i'm gonna get one more let's see did you did you mention that you have a recent relationship yeah we've been together since october 15th okay cool yeah so so I got three cards. I'm just going to do these three. So I got the lovers, I got the ace of pentacles, and I got the four of pentacles. And the lovers is, well, definitely it has to do with love. So it it's strong in that you and your girl, you know, have this connection, which is really cool. And it's a strong bond there. So I see you as like opening each other's mind kind of to like different possibilities. Like even if it's being super chill, spending time together. I feel like she kind of opens your mind and you open her mind. And it's all also about like the union and the passion that you have together. And there is often like a soulmate connection here too. So definitely be aware of that partnership that you have with her because that's special. And usually when the lover shows up, it means like this person is meant to be in your life and this person is meant to be in your path. So that's a good card. Really lucky to have that one. Um, I also got the Ace of Pentacles, which is, it's all about abundance. Like, honestly, this is one of the best cards in the tarot deck. It's all about winning. It's all about um, feeling like you have the success that you 
we're looking for and you have like a divine gift that you're sharing with other people. So for you, that could very well be your podcast or it could be something else. Um, it also signifies new opportunities. So I don't know if you're exploring like other pathways, businesses, or maybe just like conversations with different people, but I think something cool is coming up for you. Um, and also financial, financial stability. So that's good. That's a super good one for you. And then the last one I got is, um, the four of pentacles, which is usually a card that you get where you are able, like you have a lot of good stuff financially, but sometimes you're like holding on to it a little bit too much. Like it can cause you to be a tiny bit, um, not greedy, but it can cause you to just be like a little bit needy of, of the stability. And so you're going to have that material stability, but you also need to make sure that you're opening up both emotionally and with opportunities, like financial opportunities, like being giving with what you have, like that's super important. So yeah, I mean, it can get really deep. I know that <laughs> we're in front of all of your listeners, but I think those are, those are all like three really good cards and it's a super short reading, but hopefully it gave you a little bit of clarity and I would be happy to do a longer session with you in the future. Or if you want to check out my YouTube channel, my channel, I just started it um, about three weeks ago because I had some extra time during the quarantine and I've been doing this for a few years now. So it's called Spirituality with Gabriella. Oh, I love it. I'm going to definitely check it out <laughs> and, and it will definitely do a longer uh, reading. Um, yeah, that would I be love cool. that. I got the, you said the lovers and then the ace of, you say tentacles or pinnacles? Pentacles with a P. Yeah. And then it was four of pentacles. Yeah. Okay. It's very positive overall. Like it's all about material and emotional abundance. So I would say that you're in a good place. Just keep going. Well, what's crazy is my, my daily meditation. I have a meta, have a morning guided meditation at nighttime and my morning meditation is the law of attraction. meditation. (laughs) that's amazing so so, uh, uh, clearly clearly i've been absorbing the energy and uh and putting it back out there so so that's good yeah that's so good yeah yeah definitely look into all of that stuff like manifestation too it's all real it does work i believe in that too if you if you're still kind of new to meditation and exploring it and you don't know what to do in your 10 minute session you can always just visualize something working out really well And they've done some studies on this, and I'm sorry, I know we're probably at the top of the hour, but they've done some studies on this. There was like a group of people that were learning to ski, and then another group where the people just visualized skiing, and they did this for 30 days, like one group actually skiing, one group visualizing. And then once they got on the slopes after the 30 days, guess which group was the better skiers? The visualizers. Exactly. So it's like so cool. It's like a real hack that you can use to just succeed in your life. You know, yeah, when I played football the night before a game, I would always visualize making the plays, making the tackles, you know, recovering fumbles. And I definitely mm-hmm. really feel like it, it like I could I could feel the blood coursing through my veins as if I was actually playing the game. You could feel your DNA changing in a, in a neuron synapse mm-hmm. And and yeah. and it, it definitely when I woke up the next morning, just the other night actually, I mm-hmm. uh, I have had a few nights where I haven't been able to to have had a little bit of insomnia, mm-hmm. and 
at one night, I was just like, you know what, Leo, you're going to wake up at 5 a.m. You're going to wait. I just told myself <laughs> I didn't have to get up until six. But I was like, you're going to wake up at five. You got stuff to do. And I just like kept drilling in my head as I was going to sleep. And I woke up at 4.50 a.m. And I was like, mm. that's right. That's right. The power of the mind. Mind over body. <laughs> flowers. It's true. There is definitely a mind body link. That is for sure. I know. It's amazing. Gabriella, I appreciate you uh, spending this time with us. Please plug all your things, your website, your, your book, all the Thank things. Thank you. I will. I will. I will share them all with you. Oh, I'm sorry. You mean right now? <laughs> um, yeah. So for my coaching, it's Alziari Coaching. You can Google it. I have an Instagram for my poetry and spirituality, and that's just Gabriella Alziari. So my full name. My book, you can find it on Amazon. It's called Healing. And you just type in Healing Gabriella Alziari, and it will come up. It ships worldwide, so you can get it anywhere. And there's also an ebook. And then lastly, my YouTube, which I just started about three weeks ago, definitely open to new subscribers, is Spirituality with Gabriella. I love it. And then I ask this question of all my guests, because I always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of ending their life. Before mm -hmm. you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Gabriella? Yeah, I would say that... Um, You know, it sounds like really corny, but it's like I love them without even knowing them. And so I would just encourage them to hold out hope because there's always someone out there who's going to appreciate them and who's going to be so in awe of everything they bring to the table, even if they're at a place where it feels like really dark and really hopeless. Um, and I would just want to be there for them and tell them that, you know, honestly, like reach out to me at any time. Like if you want to talk, if you want to, yeah, if you want to talk about anything, like I'm there for you and I love you even without meeting you seriously. And I do believe that on a universe and energetic level, there's a reason why you're here and there's a path that you have and there's a purpose you have. And even if it seems like really muddy right now, you will find it. And, you know, just hold out hope, like continue finding a little ray of light and believe in yourself because you will get there one day. And, you know, there's all people like me in the world who are just cheerleading and encouraging you. So just stay focused on that hope and don't give hope, don't give up because we're here for you. We believe in you and we don't want to lose you. Gabriella, Alz and I, I, I just realized I have no idea how to pronounce your last name. Alziari. Alziari. Yeah. Alziari. Gabriella yeah. Alziari. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. Thank you, listeners, for being for listening in again. Because you know, every time you listen, mm -hmm. that means that it's another day that you're here on this planet, and and you matter. Your story matters. Uh, but it's this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help. For you calling the eight hundred suicide number or going to therapy, or coaching, or just journaling, writing a poem, writing out your feelings, uh, you know, taking 10 minutes a day to check in with yourself. 10 minutes mm -hmm. is all you need to lower those cortisol levels, all you need to reduce that psychic, that, psych, that's, uh, that mental pain, and, and to connect with yourself 10 minutes a day. It's not in a pill. It's not in a bottle. 
It's within yourself. Go to thrivewithleo.com if you want one-on-one coaching with yours truly. And then I have a link to all of Gabriella's, her book, her website, her coaching, her Instagram, all that will be in the show notes. Thank you for tuning in, and let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you, Gabriella. Thank you.